Welcome to the MA Road Show, episode number 193. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not here. He did not make the trip to Toronto, but I got something better. I got an improvement <laughs> on Cole Coffee. Who wants to hear from Cole Coffee? Well, you can hear from my good friend Alex Davis, veteran manager, Brazilian superstar, oh, stop judo it. legend. Oh, stop it. Uh, just, I mean, I'll just keep going. I just, yeah, then I have to live up all this shit. <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm awesome, dude. I'm awesome. I'm so glad we could take some time to get together, man. I appreciate you taking a few moments. This is a uh, it's a busy week for you, right, man? You've you've had quite a few people here. It's it is a busy week. I have uh, potentially four guys on the card: Diego Lima, Thiago Santos, Alex Cowboy, and uh, Renato Carneiro. If uh, if there's any glitch with Holloway and and uh, Ortega, Lord forbid, we're not uh, hoping for anybody to feel bad or anything. But if the divine decides it that way. We'll be there to take the opportunity. You know? <laughs> well, let's start with let's, let's start with Renato. You call him Renato Carnero. We call yeah. him Renato Moicano. Mm-hmm. I guess is how he's known here. Um, give me an idea because I'm fascinated by this idea of these guys on a backup. Now I talked to him earlier in the week, and he had a great attitude. Man, Renato had the most positive attitude I've ever heard. He said, "Listen, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm going to stay ready. I'm not upset about this position. I'm okay with it." But this seems to me to be one of the hardest positions to put a fighter in in that you need to be prepared to perform at a championship level, but you might not even get a fight. I mean, how how tough is that mentally for these guys? Because he wouldn't say it was tough, but just from the outside looking in, i got to think it's it's really hard to be ready for a championship fight or ready to not do anything at all. Well, John, let's let's take that back a little bit and let's look at what could have happened. What could have happened is he could have been on this card ready to fight Mursad, who is a wrestler, mm-hmm. and knowing that if something happened in the main event, uh, he could have to step up. Now, for the trainers, for him, I might, it might sound weird to anybody else, but for them, they'd rather just be alternate and not have to focus on a different fight because... Think about it. So he's training for Mursad, who's a tough wrestler. We know him. He used to be an American top team. And, you know, and so Moikonu, if that fight was to happen, Moikonu would be training hard for that fight. And then if something happened in the main event, here Moikonu would have the fight of his life on his hands Mm -hmm. and having had to divide his attentions between three different styles. So there is the point that, yeah, there is that mental stuff, which is, you know what, it's not really that. Well, I think it's person to person. In Renato's case, he's such a focus, such a perfectionist. He already knew what he was getting into before, you know. So in his case, it didn't really bother him. But each person's different, you know. I mean, I I think that in some other cases, people might have – I've heard I heard people, other other guys that have been in that situation say, "Oh, I would never do that again," and everything. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, it's all about risk and reward. You know, you take the risk, you make some money, you come here, you do your job. And in, in Renato's case, done all that. In our eyes, we we have we we don't we don't walk backwards a step because 
if he doesn't fight, he still establishes himself at number one contender. Right. And he still makes a little bit of money. So, you know what? It, there, it's a win-win situation for us. That's interesting. I know you don't want to get too far into the finances, but you said it's a reasonable amount of money. I mean, for what they're asking these guys to do, I mean, because this is kind of a – the UFC's been doing it for a while, but it seems like now we're – we're hearing about it more often. We're hearing about it more frequently, and, and they're doing it officially where they have these backups. It's a smart business play. There's no doubt about it because they save these title fights. But is what they're paying, is it, is it worth it to the guys that are doing it? Um, well, it's not only what they're paying. It's like I said, in this case, I can't, I can't really um, talk about other cases. I think each case is Could unique. be different. But in this case, it is because... It's not only the money. The, the the thing is that this kind of establishes him as number one contender, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's why I say we don't lose because if he fights, guess what? He, he fights for the title. If he doesn't fight, he's number one contender. Who's going to argue with us Should now? Should be right there, you know. So how could they now come and put an Aldo or a or, or Frankie in front of Moikun who came here and? was ready for him and has done what he's done so far, you know, it, it won't make sense. So true. Got to say, man, and, and I saw praise for him as well, talking about Moicano as well. His English is getting phenomenal, man. Uh, the guy the guy is, I think, gaining some, some popularity. He's gaining some fans. People like his fighting style. They like his attitude. And, again, he's taking the effort to learn English, which I know that's a little selfish of us English-speaking fans to say, well, you Brazilians should learn English. Yeah, maybe we should learn Portuguese. But it's still pretty cool. Well, it's it's you know this is a sport that it's part sport and part entertainment, and mm-hmm. the biggest market is here in the states. And you know English is the, the most spoken language on earth. And you know if you want to move forward, but but Moikun already had some pretty good English. Moikun, the thing with Moikun is he wasn't trusting his English. He's so much of a perfectionist that he didn't want to come out and use it. Right. And and I have a problem with some of these guys. Like Edson Barboza has great English, but he sees me, he stops speaking English. You know, <laughs> so I have to stay behind him. So you know, I mean, he's a great guy, and people see it. And not only that, because I want to come back to the days when we looked at how the guy fought. Right. Remember how did Zaldo become so famous? Not because of his English, because because of how he fought. Right. And I think that the sport urgently needs to get back to watching how guys fight and not what guys talk. Well, I think you're you're definitely right about that. I mean, uh, you know, I've talked about having maybe a little bit of like Connor fatigue. I mean, God bless him. Connor's an amazing star, and he's helped a lot of people make money. He's helped the company make money. But I feel like that's the norm nowadays, and it's not just about it. And I, I don't know. It's tough because look. I run a website and I see the clicks and people click on that trash talk, man. They they I don't they get interested in that trash talk, but it, but sometimes it's exhausting to me, man. Well, well, I just want the I, I just want two good fighters. I mean, hell, we got it this week with Holloway and Ortega, right? I mean, two respectful guys who never spoke shit about anybody, right? But the thing the thing is, what who, what what was born first, the egg or the chicken, right? So we we you know because what happened was. Every sport has its persona. I mean, look, the NFL has a number of personas, Dan Marino, this and that, and and basketball has its personas, and, and soccer has Neymar and and, and um, whoever. You know, every, every sport has its personas. But that those guys, they float up to the top because they are who they are. Right. The, that doesn't mean that the sport is, is built on their backs. What we had in, in, mm. in what happened in MMA in the UFC was an inversion where Dana started realizing that these personas 
made money for him and so he wanted the personas and he started seeking the personas and you know and a Rhonda and a McGregor and some of these other guys they're unique even they're Brock unique. you mean even Brock to a degree yeah but they're unique they're 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 who they are the sport cannot be based on these guys you know you can't expect to have your roster full of people that can talk like a McGregor that's his that's his talent you know right so I think that that is where we deviated a little bit from uh from sustainability and where you got all your clicks because I think that was part because McGregor is entertaining. Even I think he's entertainment, entertaining. But we deviated a little bit because we ended up in a, in a necessity and an urgency only to have these personas. We tried with Sage Norcutt. We tried with other guys. I mean, listen, I bump into Colby every day. I like Colby a lot. Okay, I love him. And, and he said a lot of things, and some of them were funny and some of them weren't. But he yep. was trying he was trying to take the example of the leader, you know. And a bunch, a bunch of other guys are trying to do that. And, and actually, sometimes it makes them look silly instead of making them look entertaining because they don't have the same presence of spirit. Look at Marlon Moraes, for example. I mean, you know, that it's not, if you don't have that capacity to talk like that, if you're not funny, some some guys are funny the way they are. Look at Nate Giaz. Nate Giaz is funny. He doesn't talk a lot of shit. Right. It's a different thing. So it's every a whole per- different vibe. Every person has his way of expressing himself. But the truth is that we have to come back to fighting. This is what, what, what this is about. This is fighting. And I think we cannot overvalue the trash talk and the hype in, uh, and 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 relegate the fighting. And that's what seems to be happening happened for a while you know is it hard for you i mean you've been in the sport for a long time is it hard for you to i don't say control your guys but i mean when you talk to your guys and they're like i'm sure they talk to you how can we make more money how can i have more opportunities i mean they see this right i mean do do your guys say hey man do i need to step up my trash talk game do i need to be you know do i need to be more connor like well well we we do i mean we make an effort to trash talk but we do it in a funny and respectful way like with holloway boy connor went out there and said Come on, Holloway, man. Toronto's really freezing, and Hawaii is nice and warm. You got to take care of your health. Just stay in Hawaii. I mean, that's funny. You right. know, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be negative. You don't have to trash talk. I mean, listen, McGregor makes it funny, but that's McGregor. You can't. There's not. I don't think there's. A, Ali even, was like that. But even that. he's gotten to a point where it's not funny anymore. I thought it was great when it was funny, but when he started getting into this gangster stuff and El Chapo, that's when it started turning me off a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a phase that I think has to pass. Listen, I remember in, in, when Joe Silva used to be the matchmaker, and I could have a fighter that he could be cross-eyed and have pink hair, and he could <laughs> he could he could look as crooked as anything. But if he fought well, and if he won fights, and he convinced Joe would hire him, no matter how he looked or what he talked. Right. These days, it's you know they're they're now they're weighing if the guy's a good fighter, he can be a great fighter, and there's hundreds of great fighters out there that are not getting an opportunity now. Because they're respectful, because they don't trash talk, because they don't speak English. Now that's that that's I don't think that that's what we want to see in the sport. And I think that I hope and I think that we're going to see a big, big turnaround, 180 degree turnaround, in the way we look at the sport here in the future. Because I think that we've we've gone up, we've spiked, and we come back down because of that. Right. You know? And well, that's my feeling, you know, and just me. But I do believe that. I, I believe that we spiked, and I think that we're going to come back to really giving value to what the guys do in inside the ring. You know, a lot of the fans and a lot of the greater public that watch the sport still do not 
understand what's really happening. If you take an NFL fan or a baseball fan or a basketball fan, they know, they know, they know about the basketball. They know, they know everything. They know what the grass is made out of. They know what the paints on the on the on the court. They know everything about it. What the, that guy in the in the funny looking ear uh, earphones doing? They know everything. But in MMA, people looking at people punching, they don't know the difference between a jab and a hook. Well, see, this is what's interesting because I say this too. Is like I feel like if you go talk to somebody and you ask a fan, "Who's your favorite fighter?" and then they, you know they name somebody, and then you ask them why, it seems like they're always going to talk about their style, their personality, like that kind of stuff. Nobody ever says, "Well, because his jujitsu or his you know the way he throws a right hook," or you know, it's always, "Man, he said this," or he, you know. And I think that's a good thing because it gives people, you know, a. a identify a guy you know a fellow Texan I like him because he's from Texas like me or you know I like him because he's got a personality like mine or whatever the case may be but I do feel like sometimes I, I, people don't talk about well I like him because of the techniques that he's capable well, of. well that's human I mean we we link to the guys we like to but like I said there's a huge chasm between what the public and even the journalists I mean John, not because I'm here with you but right. you're one of the rare journalists that I can sit down and talk sense to about MMA I'd say 80% of the journalists I see and I look at what they write, it's sick. They don't know what they're writing about. They have mm. no idea. They don't understand it. You know. And if they don't understand it and they're writing about it, imagine the public that's reading what they're writing. They really don't get it. But you know what? It's it's part of the sport. We're only 23, 24 years old. It's yeah. an embryonary sport. It's going to take time for us to, to develop, to even out, to develop a fan base that starts understanding the technique. You know, it's going to take time for this to come back to where it was a few years ago when we were looking and appreciating the fights and how the go- those guys fought, you know, I think. Do you feel like this is – I know you said you, you feel like it's gotten popular and come down a little bit, and I do too. But this, and I mean very recently – it does feel like kind of a good time for fighter opportunities to a, gr- to a degree, right? I mean, it looks like one championship is trying to be a big player over in Asia. Now, how long they can sustain, you know, these the, these high-end free agents, I don't know. But Bellator seems to be finally getting some things going with this DAZN partnership. PFL is about to write some, some million-dollar checks to some people. I mean, it does feel like maybe at least there's more – more opportunities to, to, to compete, right? Well, there's a huge market out there. There's a huge market. You, you, uh, how sustainable is, is one, uh, one FC? One is in Asia. That's a huge untapped market, and mm-hmm. they're doing really, really well in their market. Those guys are really business savvy, and they know what they're doing. I've heard that they've got a TV deal here in the States, mm-hmm. and I think that we could have 180-degree turnarounds in the popularity of the sport just because – People, you know, UFC, people are, we're, you know, human beings, they want new things, you know. And if you just watch UFC, watch UFC, watch UFC, it kind of gets tiring. And it's funny that you said, I talked to a lot of people, like, you know, you catch a, a cab driver, and he says, well, what you doing in Toronto? I said, oh, I'm in the UFC. Yeah, I used to watch, but I don't watch anymore. You don't know how sure. many times I've heard that. Oh, I used to watch, but I don't watch anymore, you know. Or they only watch when Connor fights. Or well, maybe like it's that. just me, because maybe I only talk to, 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 uh, a limited number of people, but but it seems to me that those that limited number of people that I talk to I keep on hearing the same thing. You know, it's uh, I can't argue with you that I, I hear the same thing. I mean, I, I still have as much love for the sport as I always do. And I still believe it can be popular, but I do I do hear. Well, that you're quite a true often. fan. I mean, yeah. you got you're here right now because you're a fan and you've followed it since the very beginning. You right. know, you're one of the few people that that can tell about fights that not even I watch, and there's fights that we've talked about over the years, the fights that nobody even remembers that you remember, <laughs> yep. you know? Absolutely. 
Interesting. All right, let's talk about this main event. Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. I want to ask you, how much have you been watching these guys this week? I mean, thinking about what's going to happen because um, I think they both look okay. They were at open workouts today. They seem to be moving okay, but I'm not going to lie. That press conference, I was a little worried about Max Holloway. Yeah, I was just down there with Max a few minutes ago. I think he's fine. I mean, listen, like I said, I don't want to jinx him. I don't want to hope he's not. Ill. If he's ill, Ill, he's ill. If he's not, he's not. Yeah. If he's ill, we'll jump in. If he's not, he's not. I, he didn't seem ill to me. Yeah. I was worried. It was. It was. I guess, and I think we probably were all reading too much into it. At the press conference, he kind of stuttered a little bit. He kept repeating that, that Tenth Island phrase, which I get it. He was just trying to hype up Hawaii. But I think we were all sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, is there some kind of symptoms here? But the open workouts, he was moving well. You know, striking, looking good. So he looked good right now. I'm telling you, right, he looked ten minutes ago. He looked fine. What do you see in uh, What do you see in Ortega as a fighter overall? I mean, obviously you had some experience against him. What What do you think He's about an him? Amazing kid, just an amazing kid. You know, one of the things that Ortega has, I think, that really is bringing him. It's, it's brought him here at this moment. Is that in this sport you have to evolve? If you're not evolving, you're not winning. And this kid has constantly evolved. You see his game getting better and better mm-hmm. and better. His jujitsu is already awesome. He does stuff in jujitsu other people don't do, like elbows from the ground. But his striking is is really gotten better. He knocked out Frank Edgar with uh, Moicano. He was having a stand up war with Moicano, you know, and Mo- Moicano committed an error, and he was able to to take advantage of it. So. Yeah, he's man. The kid's for real. He's he's at the at the right point in his career. He's he's for real, man. He, it's a really really just such a cool kid. I love his ass, man. He's such a cool kid. I, I love t- him. I I am really excited for this fight. I feel like you know these two guys. I don't feel like either one of them is is a big superstar yet. But I feel like these are you know two of the best in the world right now. They're they're. I mean, it's been said they're young. They're in their prime. I mean. I hope Max Holloway's at 100% because if he is at 100%, I think we could get an absolute classic of a fight here. If he's not, I think Brian Ortega is gonna gonna take care of him pretty quick. Yeah, I I kind of I love them both. I lean towards Ortega on this fight. I think that Ortega's a little bit uh, fresher. You know, he's yeah, I do too. Developing more, I think Holloway's now through this wear and tear and stress and everything, and we don't know what the issue was. I don't know if he knows what the issue That's was. That's what scares me is that yeah. they can't say, "Hey, here's what the doctors found." They just keep saying, "Well, I'm fine, I'm feeling good," but they never identified anything. And I've been trying to spy on him for months, <laughs> and I can't <laughs> hear anything about him. You know, uh, it's my job. It I mean, is nothing against him. I love him, but I got to do my job. You know, you got to know what's going on. All right, let's talk about the uh, the. Co- well, I guess what if Moicano doesn't fight on Saturday? Will, will he go? Will he hang out? Will he enjoy himself? What What will he do? Yeah, if he doesn't fight, we'll we'll, we'll put him on your podcast, man. We'll put him wherever you want. Well, he'll be fine. I think that he's. I think at, at the very end of the day, even if he doesn't fight, he's established himself. He's made himself known to the public. He's moved forward, and that's. The, all you can ask for. If you don't fight, you're moving forward. It's true. Still there were some. It. There were some people in our camp that didn't agree that wanted him to fight. We accepted the fight. We would have accepted another fight. The UFC couldn't find an opponent for him that made sense. Is what it is. Uh, but I think that we move forward. You're right. If you gain something out of it, it matters. All right, let's talk about the co-main event: Joanna and Jacek versus Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, obviously, you get to see a lot of uh, of Joanna as well. I'm intrigued by this fight. I do, you know, a lot, and, and maybe you can talk about this, a lot has been made about the fact that they fought Muay Thai, but it was like 10 years ago. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if that matters at all, but what I I do worry a little bit about here, because I, I like both these girls as well. I think this could be a fantastic fight. I think they're at the top of their game. Um, I think Joanna 
is going to be way better at 125. Her weight cut scared me down to 115. She had some rough ones. Um, I think she's going to look better at 125, and, and you've gotten to see her up close. Um, but but Valentina's as tough as they come, and, and she was banging with Amanda Nunes, you know, who's now going up to 145. So I'm I'm scared. I don't know if these if these two athletes are the same size. That's a fight I wouldn't bet on. They're the both amazing athletes. Just amazing. I love Valentina. I love Joanna. Of course, I'm riding for Joanna. I see her every day. You know, but I I can't. I can't. That fight is one fight I wouldn't put my money on because I, who knows? I mean, who knows? I mean, Joanna's vicious. Valentina's vicious. They're vicious competitors. They're not friends with each other. You know, I mean, there's there's areas which where one is a little bit better than the other. I think that striking Joanna's a little bit better. I think on the grounds, Valentina's a little bit better but i think that everybody knows that yeah. so who the hell knows what's going to happen you know it's funny there was a, i was watching the embedded the latest embedded episode that was up earlier day and it showed joanna and, and valentina and they kind of gave each they ran into each other in the hallway and they kind of gave each other a hug but you could tell it was one of those ones that like everybody's trying to be polite but they they didn't really hold each other very close they didn't make eye contact you know it was very like <laughs> no, they're they're cool with each other. They're 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 just true competitors, man. They wanna they're 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 vicious. Women are different than men. When they're competitors, they're vicious. They they will go out there and let it all hang out until one drops. You know. Yep. I mean, I I like this fight, and and I I feel like this is going to make the women's flyweight division seem more valid. Nothing against Nico Montano. I mean, she's a sweet girl, and she worked her ass off to get where she was, but. It was just hard to see, you know, a four and two fighter as a UFC champion, and it just, it didn't feel right. And I don't mean that in any way disrespect her, because she accomplished what she accomplished. All you can do is take the fights they give you, and when you when the opportunity comes, you take advantage of it. So you can't blame her, but I don't know, it just didn't feel right. And I feel like now, I almost feel like this is the the beginning of the women's flyweight yeah, division. Yeah, this is this is gonna establish a big name, and then. Whatever happens, you know that whoever loses is going to come back and want to rematch. So yeah. Yeah, this is going to well, this will be a story to tell, I think. No question. All right, let's talk about one of you guys, Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Gunnar Nelson. Cowboy, uh, man, it, I think he is becoming a star, man. People love his personality. Uh, I love the way he fights. He, he's exciting. And, uh, and, and, again, he's always just fun to watch. He just seems like he's always having a good time. I mean, is he, does the dude ever have a bad day? Well, and that's because you don't know him as well as I do. <laughs> okay, listen, Cowboy has something. And I, you know, Cowboy told me not to tell anybody this. i got to share it with everybody. <laughs> the, the difference within Cowboys, he, he, he rides – he rode bulls and he, and he has cattle. He handles cattle. And the, the thing is with, with the guy that's – been on top of a monster five times his size well, human beings don't scare him that much you know right. and not only that he's freakishly strong you know he's really loose he's really confident he's he, i've never seen him so determined in my life he's determined now he's it used to be well he didn't really care now he cares that's interesting i was gonna say because he, he seemed like in the beginning kind of one of those like eh, whatever happens, happens. I'm just having a good time. I'm just – and he still seems like he's having fun. He still seems like he's having a good time. But I do sense and, – and I don't speak Portuguese, so I always have to trust on you for translating. But I try to pay attention to the body language. I try to pay attention to the words. And it does seem to me like now he's – I don't want to say taking it more seriously because that almost sounds like he didn't before. But I do feel like he feels like, hey, maybe I'm maybe I'm good at this. Maybe I can really accomplish I something. I think it dawned on him how good he is because yeah. uh, you know in, the, in his second fight the first fight was against Gilbert Durinho and he mm -hmm. fought really well got submitted but it took 
Durinho forever to get him, and he then he was kicking Durinho's ass before that. Remember that. And then he he fought um, KJ Nunes. I didn't want him to take the fight, and I said, dude, we don't want to do this. We've already taken our risk. We're in there. We got the contract. I said, Alex, I want to buy a house for my mom. Even if I get cut, I'll get our house. I said, okay. And then he went and submitted KJ Nunes, and that's been his attitude. He takes those fights. He don't care who it is against, on the other side of the of the the ring against him. I mean, look at his fight against Yancey Medeiros. Look at his fight against, against, um, what was his, his last fight against, against Carlos Condit. Mm. You know, he, he's running guys over. He's such a monster, man. I mean, listen, you, you guys can see it. Try grappling. Try, 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 try training with him to see how strong he is, man. Jeez. And, you know, he's very loose at the same time. He's not, he's, I think his big advantage his biggest advantage is he doesn't stress as much as the other guys coming to the fight. But before the Ryan LaFleur fight, you know, he was kind of tense. I said, dude, if you want to win this fight, you got to loosen up. You got to dance. You got to have fun in there. And it, it worked. You know, yeah. and I keep on telling him, don't. I mean, I, and Gunnar, all respect to Gunnar. Gunnar is a really good fight, a veteran. If it goes to the ground, it's a complicated fight. But Gunnar's, you can see him determined and tense. And you see Cowboy the way he is. I wonder how much that's going to play into it. Did you see the pictures of Gunner, man? He's looking ripped. Or have you seen him around? No, it looks like he's put some muscle on. I didn't see. It's a good fight. They Gun- better because I tell you, Cowboy's <laughs> strong as shit. <laughs> no question. You've also got another guy in the main card. Tiago Santos is there as well. Maheta's there with Jimmy Manawa. What's what's the future of Maheta, man? This guy, what, what division is he going to fight in? Where, where, where's he going? Well, you know – Fighters are fighters, and you got to listen to what they want. He says, "Well, I'm not, up, uh, I'm not, I haven't given up to the 185, and and but I still want to establish myself on the 205." And I'm looking at him, and I'm remembering what we've been through in the 185 division, and I'm thinking, "Do we really want to go back there? Do we really want to suffer like that? Why don't we just go in here in this division, which seems to be easier, and go in there and and and, and do your thing?" You know, right. of course. There's always a thing he might lose, and if that happens, you could always say, oh, he's in the wrong division, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I think this is a great fight. I think he's going to knock uh, Manua out. You never know, MMA, you never know. But uh, he's a kid that's been through the ups and downs, and I think he's maturing now, you know, because he's won a lot, he's lost, he's come back, he's been to the bottom of the barrel, he's been at the top of the barrel, and then I think that matures guys, you know. He's a monster, man. He hits and kicks hard. So he, he I think he's going to have a run at the title, man. And you feel like light heavyweight's the place to do it. I believe. I definitely, that's one thing I definitely believe. But it's like I said, it's it's I always tell him it's not my ass that gets up in the ring; it's their asses. So you know you got to respect his. And and his, he's his, a big he, guy. He's a big guy, dude. He used to be a welterweight. I know that's crazy. When I met him. That's in insane. The beginning, and they they said, "Well, what way do you own my world?" I said, "Well, we already know what the problem is. Right? There's no way he could be a welterweight. Imagine how that guy. I mean, he he suffers to make middleweight. Yeah. I personally think that um, that he has to establish himself at 205. It's a, it's a it's a thinner division. You know, he he's definitely capable of hanging with everybody. Yeah. I think that he should. He Listen, should man, I, I, you know, I get the weight cutting thing. And I, I don't know. Everybody's looking for ways to fix weight cutting. And I, I've never heard a solution, I think, that's 100% dead set. But what I will say is it seems like a lot of fighters lately are coming around to it's just not worth it for any me anymore. 
and they're having success when they move up in weight. It seems like people that are move up are finding, I feel so much better. Well, we, the solution's out there. One FC is, is, is proved the solution. Their system works. The problem is how are, are the athletic commissions here in the United right. States, are they going to accept the solution? Right. Because it's a different system, and these guys are hard-headed, and they're not, not humble enough to look at that system. It works. But if you talk to the one FC execs, and if you look at the statistics, how many fights have they lost because somebody didn't make weight? Like Zero. <laughs> Right, so they they just simply they don't permit uh, intense dehydration. It's basically they they measure your hydration. They when you're measure your hydration every, every for three days in a row. You have to make the weight and you have to be hydrated. If you're not make if you make the weight but you're not hydrated, they're gonna they're gonna not gonna let you fight. Right, and it's the right thing to do because what happens is the the dehydration creates such serious problems. I I, I know a, I have a friend of mine that fought and he fought he dehydrated didn't rehydrate enough he had a brain problem because of course your your brain has a membrane between the skull and the and the brain that it just got so dehydrated didn't manage to recoup itself and he got concussed so yeah. there's lots of and and, and you know it, it, there's when when there's these kids are 23 24 25 30 they, they their body can still put up with it but when they're 40 or 50 they're going to be wrecks right you know, so the solutions there. I think one FC's proved it. I think that we need to follow follow that. The problem is that people are arrogant. The commissions are arrogant, and the people don't aren't. Um, one of the problems in our sport is that we're not change prone. We're not listening. Sure. We're not looking for solutions. I've heard so many solutions. Like Eric Anderson, the sauna yesterday, told me one. He said, "Why don't we?" score the rounds and announce a score between rounds right now imagine what that would change in the fight game yeah it would make a huge change because a guy would know where he's at in the round and everything right but to, or the grading system i talked about but you know we have all these people out there that are they they're they're, they're experts they know everything they're, they're the people the people that are in the position to make changes don't have the humility to make them well, that's an excellent way to put it. Like just being willing to say, "Hey, this is wrong." Let's having the humility to just admit, "Hey, maybe this, maybe we can fix this. Maybe there's a way yeah. to change it." It's not a perfect world, you know. I mean, I'm only one person. I see it. That's the way I see it. I've been here doing it for a long time, and I'm an ex-athlete myself. I don't own the truth, but uh, guess what? We yeah, this is an evolving sport. How many, like Eric said, I said, the NFL. They made a lot of changes, and he turned around and said they're still making them. Yeah, every year. They review things every year. They make changes. And some, some of them, they go, well, that was a stupid change. Let's let's change it back. But that, at least they're trying things. That's the attitude that I think we need in MMA to make it a better sport. But it's not. But the thing that I hate there right now is that we have changes that are different state to state to state. I don't like that because then you got fighters, you got officials, you know, trying to change, you know, remember what the rules are on the fly. I think that's bad. I think everybody's got to get on the same page. I think that, I think that the athletic commissions at this moment in 2018 are one of the biggest hindrances to the sport at the moment. Interesting. Because I think that the people that populate, some of the people that populate, because you can't say everybody, right. but a lot of the people that populate there are not. In those, they first of all, they were put in those positions for the wrong reason because of politics. And second of all, they're in those positions for the wrong reason. They want to be on TV, they want to be 
That is savvy. True. Those they positions are fancy, all just appointed by the governor and stuff. But they're not. They they don't know what they're doing. I see it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So you believe there should? I mean, there should be athletic commissions, right? I mean, there has of to be course, some oversight. Of course. But it's who's comprising? It has to be populated by people that have actually competed and been involved. Boy, in you the know sport. it's funny you say that because you know I, I I hear a lot of times the push to get referees and judges who used to be fighters. I mean, we talk about that. But why not the commissioners themselves as well? I mean, those should probably well, be full you of know, ex-fighters look at a guy too. That, and, and this is a guy that actually, um, this is a guy that actually I became friends with, um, arguing with him, is Andy Foster. Right. I became I became his <laughs> friend because of an argument. You know, and today I, I appreciate him and I like him, and and you know, and he's got a great attitude. He he does get it. He is trying to change things. Yeah. You know, he's he's really he has a good attitude. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll second that man. He's trying things, and and that's you got to appreciate that. But even himself, who was a fighter, who has a good attitude, look at what the difficulty he has to do it. You know. Yep. It's it's there's no easy solutions. I get it. it takes time. You know, this is sport. Like I said, it's 20 years. It takes time to get up there. You know. No question. You've got Diego Lima on this card Diego as well. Diego Lima, yeah, Diego yeah. Lima. He uh he. Been, had a bad little bit of a bad right. run. You, you mentioned PFL, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the good, nice thing about PFL is that some of the guys that they put in there that were coming off bad runs did amazing, yeah. which proves that all just because a fighter came off one or two losses doesn't mean he's a lousy fighter. It's just a phase. Look at Philippe Lins. Philippe Lins is in the final, and he's he was coming off two losses. I couldn't get him a fight no place. So Diego, Diego fought uh, Jesse Taylor. Mm-hmm. And come on, man. Anybody that looked at that fight, Jesse Taylor was juiced to the gills. I mean, I pointed it out to Zada, and they couldn't do anything. It was coming off tough. And then he fought Okami, not making excuses. He'd just broken his rib. He still needed money, need to take the fight. He's coming off two losses. He's a great fighter. So this is a chance, and and I, I thank Sean Shelby a lot for realizing what I was telling him and giving him another chance, you know, because he was the finalist for the last tough. And I think that, that, we need to realize these things and realize these kids are human beings. Realize that athletes, anybody that, anybody that's an athlete lives inside an athlete's body and is competed knows that you got good phases and bad phases, and you can't take a bad, you can't diminish an athlete just because he's going through a bad phase. You know? Yeah, no question about so it. So I think Jiggle's going to do really good. I think he's going to come back and it's a big moment strong. For him. Hoping that everything's going to go. I mean, you, like I said, you know, in MMA, I got four guys on the card. I've I've stopped worrying about fights, and I never, never, never count on victories because it seems that every time I think that that we fight got I got to win, <laughs> I lose it. You know, so we'll see. Let's see what happens. It's going to be a, a nail biting night for me. No doubt, man. That's going to be a busy one for you. Uh, look, what's the uh, what's the rumors? Let's let's hear the uh, the scuttlebutt with all the managers behind the scenes. We're all as journalists trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this flyweight division in the UFC. You got any inside info? I, I, it's 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 like one day it's they're getting rid of it, and the next it's like they book another fight. Have you have you, have you got any inside well, info? Uh, you know, first of all, um, that that's one of the most interesting, most technical divisions in the, in the I sport. I know, I like it. And I told you, remember, I told you that business wise, it might make sense because they're not getting the big, good enough viewership. But sports wise, it makes no sense because these guys are some of the best, most technical fights fighters there are to watch. Now, you know that right now, 
were in, in a position in the UFC where it's all about the money. WME came in. They got a huge bill to pay, so they're all about business, you know. I've had this conversation with Sean Shelby. He says he never, for example, Demetrius Johnson, who is a, a monster, one of the, the best fighters pound per pound ever, but he, they couldn't manage to get traction for him. Right. Now, whose fault is that? Is it Demetrius' fault? Is it UFC's fault? Is it anybody's fault? But should we... Should we eliminate a division just because at this point in time people aren't watching it? I hope not. Or should we look at it and say, hey, we're doing something wrong. We should show people why these guys are worthwhile watching. Yeah. Now, it's easy to say for me, my position as a manager and your position as a journalist because we're not promoters. Right. Now, maybe if you put the promoter's hat on and you're looking at your bottom line, you know you have to pay your bills. You have to sustain the PI and you have to sustain a bunch of employees and everything. You might look at it a little bit different, you know, but I think that we have to cannot, we cannot keep, we have to keep in sight what's good for the sport. Because remember, if we think about what's going to happen tomorrow, yeah, okay, that makes sense. We're not making money, but what about in three years and 10 years? Right. You know, we got, we, I think that we have, we can't be pound wise, penny wise and pound foolish on it. And I think that eliminating the flyweight division, it's, it's being penny wise and pound foolish. And I'll tell you once something else I believe, I really believe in. I think that Dana is going to regret having let Demetrius Johnson go to 1FC. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that Demetrius Johnson, as much traction he wasn't getting in the UFC, I think that in the UFC, I think in, in 1FC, if it really comes on TV here, he's going to get traction. Now all, everybody's going to start wanting to watch him in the 1FC, and I think that's going to backfire in Dana's face. That would be crazy. It is interesting. I do I do feel like Demetrius Johnson is a really good fit over there. You yeah, know, just yeah. the, the way he, his attitude is, the way he carries himself, you know, that traditional kind of Eastern philosophy is what they think with sports. I think he's a perfect fit. And, of course, there's a bunch of small guys over there, right? So there's a bunch of opponents. I don't know that they're at the level that the UFC is, but maybe they can find, you know, a couple challengers here or there that'll I give them a run. I actually have the – I have the, the – the, not the reigning because we got, we got messed up, but I have one of the – Top flyweights is uh, Adrian Moraes. We're right. waiting for him. He got there was a lopsided de- decision. It was a horrible decision where he lost the title to Ostakio, and Ostakio is now running from not wanting to fight. But uh, yeah, I think that that you're you're absolutely right. I, I think that that's gonna. I think this is gonna be very healthy for the sport. Are you gonna try to get in that tournament coming up? Um, no. What I want and what what has been agreed on is that. Uh, that Adriano Moraes rematches Ostakio for the title, but I, I don't know. First of all, I heard he had a little twist in his knee, and I think he's having a hip replacement because I can't get him to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be anxious to see how one championship. It's If they come to America, though, if they do get a TV deal, I hope it's they do. I don't know if they need to do events. I mean, if it's on at 7 in the morning, does it matter if you're on TV or not? Well, I mean, maybe they can do it delayed, you know. Maybe they're, they're very creative. Yeah. They'll figure out ways to do it. And, and you know, it, it's. I think it's going to be positive. Maybe you put it on, on – maybe you put it in the morning, then you – and then you put it later in the day too. True. Play it live if people, people want to watch some, it. A lot of people are gonna have a watch at seven o'clock. Dad, did you see what happened? Oh man, I want to watch it too. It's gonna take away from the UFC. Yeah, for sure. How about this 165 division? Dana keeps saying there's no way in hell he's gonna do it, but things change. He said there's no way women would fight in the UFC, and that's a big part. Do you do you are, are you in favor of adding another weight class in there? Or no? Um. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in favor of having a new division at 165 if we're going to eliminate the 125. 
yeah, okay. that's true. Okay, I don't want. I, I don't think one works in detriment of the other. Like I if think they want to add, great, but not to bring one yeah, away. The problem. The problem there is that yes, there is room for more divisions, but the problem is that there's not room on the UFC's roster. There's not room in their format to fit more divisions, and that's right. the problem. Yeah, there's not enough slots. That, right. That's the problem. Interesting. You said you're a former athlete. You still train? Are you going to get – Yeah, I'm training. I, I, I hear rumblings of maybe some fights or something going oh, on. I get there. I'm always here and ready to compete. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm healthy, the problem is I'm 56, and, you know, it's always – you never know how you're feeling. But now this week I've trained hard, and, and I feel good. And, hey, if, if I can compete – I've always competed all my life. Competition is something I like to do, and if, if there's something that I can do that, that makes sense and is fun, I'm always into it. A little judo, a little jiu-jitsu, something yeah, along those judo, lines, a grappling judo, match. Judo is up to me, man. Just just tell me who it is. <laughs> I've got some ideas. I've got some names <laughs> I heard. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, brother. Well, I've taken uh, too much of your time this evening. I know oh, you got to check John. on all your people. So. I'm, your, I'm always yours. Anytime you know that. You're Thank my you, buddy. brother. Much appreciated. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And coming up next, we're going to kick it right from one interview to another. I had a chance to sit down earlier today with Dana White. Gave me a few minutes of his time. Really? So uh, we'll listen to what uh, the boss has to say. Say what you want to say. I love Dana. Well, Daniel, I'll start with this week's main event, man. A, a big fight that I think everybody's looking forward to. But I've heard a lot of people say this is kind of like a like a fight fans fight. Like these guys aren't necessarily mainstream superstars yet, but they're top of the sport, top of the division. Do you do you see it that way? That maybe this is like a breakthrough opportunity for these well, two guys? Well, what happens with with fights like these is it starts with the hardcores, and it starts to spill over, and 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 it starts to bubble up when you have a fight that's legit with two of the baddest dudes in the world at the right time in the right place. It, 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 it starts to swell and grow, and, and, and this is one of those type of fights. Ortega undefeated, and, um, and, and Max, you know, with the record for the most, the most wins in that division, so, uh, and hasn't lost in five years. It, it's, it's, it's a big fight. I think anybody that knows the sport is just like, this could be an instant classic. You know I mean? Like, we're all excited about it. But do you feel like commercially it's going to be successful yeah, as well? Yeah. It's, it's already a sellout. We've already sold out here, and, and, and there's good buzz for the fight. Yes, it's, it's already a success. Talk about Max coming into this. I mean, we know what happened last time, the medical issues. Um, for you, concerns? I mean, how did he convince you that I'm good? Because every time I've talked to him, he doesn't even really know exactly what happened. So, I mean, have you been nervous this week? Are you nervous even now? It's weird. I'm not nervous, but I should be. Um, you know, I didn't want him to fight again at 45. He wanted this fight so bad. He got cleared by every test and doctor and everything we've done. Um, came in light this this week, so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, it would be uh, be really bad if, if you didn't make weight. Yeah, so interesting that you said you didn't want him at 45. So you think his future, I mean, he's a young kid. You think his future ultimately is 55? I think he needs to go to 55. He's too big for this weight. Uh, you, you can't keep doing this to yourself and keep cutting down to, the, to 45. Uh, but you know what he wanted? Mm -hmm. He wants this Ortega fight. He wants to fight Ortega so bad. So this is the fight he wanted. He got it. You know, he... he Medically got cleared, and, and uh, he got what he wanted. Here we go. Talk about Ortega. I mean, uh, man, undefeated record. The guy looks like he's got star potential. I mean, the look, the fighting style, all those things, his, his personality. I mean, I know you guys kind of butted heads a little bit. He said you guys are cool now. But, but what do you think about him overall and his, his, his potential as a star? Yeah, no, we've, we've always been cool, you know. Uh, but when bad things happen, you know, and things fall apart, um, you know, Things don't always go everybody's way, so 
Um, he's a great kid. Never had problems with this guy ever. Stud will fight anybody. So as far as I'm concerned, me and me and Ortega never have, have had a problem, and I don't see us having any problems. Yeah, I mean, I know your job is to, is to have an eye for talent, an eye for promotability. I mean, does he strike you as a guy that if he wins this? You know, could be one of those breakthrough stars. Yeah, of course. I mean, the kid's good looking. Just take all the, you know, tangible things that he has. At the end of the day, he's 15 and 0. Not only can he pull off submissions against nasty, you know, uh, uh, tough, talented guys, he can knock you out too. So he 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 is the full package. This kid's awesome. Co-main events, the women's flyweight title. We know why Shevchenko is here. She was already in the fight. Uh, then you bring in Ioana to be the other side of this. Why was she the right call here? I mean, hasn't fought at flyweight yet, right? She's so number one. She's the number one, uh, you know, fighter in the world at 115 pounds. She said she had a great camp, feels so much better at this weight, not having to cut as much, and uh, she was obviously the, the number one choice. So no concerns that she hasn't fought in the division yet, you know, maybe she doesn't deserve it yet, or anybody saying that? To, to say that... Joanna Jacek doesn't deserve to be in this fight. You're an idiot. Have we heard from Nico Montano at all? I know she was upset, you know, at what happened and what went down, and then she's been kind of quiet since. Have you, do you know anything about her and kind of what, what her status is? Yeah, she wants to take more time off. You know, we obviously have contacted her for fights. She wants more time off. Interesting. Last thing about these two big fights, Hinato Moicano, of course, is here as a backup. Um, you know, this is the thing you guys are doing business-wise. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense. But when you tag a guy as a backup, does that kind of make them a, a de facto, like, number one contender? Because Hinato's saying, man, I, I think if I don't get to fight this weekend, I should get to be next against the winner of Ortega and Holloway. Is that, do you look at it like that? It doesn't always plan out that way, though. You know, uh, Colby Covington was, you know, the interim champion who, who is more in line to fight next than Colby Covington with the interim championship. He couldn't accept the fight, so the interim championship goes away, and, you know, it just, there, there are no guarantees in life. Nothing is guaranteed in life, and nothing is guaranteed in this sport. That's for damn sure. Yeah, no question. You said this is a sellout this week. I'm curious. How do you feel the overall health of the sport here is in Canada? I mean, there was a time when this was the Mecca, right? And yeah. I've heard some Canadian guys lately say, well, I feel like maybe it's slowing down a little bit here. What, what, what do you feel like the, the health everybody, is? Everybody says that. I mean, everybody says, ah, oh, it's slowing down. This is happening. That's happening. I, I hear all these experts talking smack. You should have saw the smack that was being talked right before we sold for $4 billion. <laughs> You know, I, I listen to this dumb shit all the time and, and people's opinions on what's going on. Let me tell you what, the sport has never been more alive, never been bigger. And, and uh, you know, as we continue to move around the world and, and opening the PI in, in, in China, I'm looking at uh, a property down in Mexico right now. I want to open three PIs in Mexico. Um, and uh, we're going to continue to build talent build the sport and take this thing everywhere. Three PIs so, in Mexico. And I'm going to have the, the, the naysayers and the people chirping and this and that about it. It's, it's been that way since day one, and it will be that way till I leave. Uh, it's just the nature of the game. How many PIs do you see globally? I mean, how, how many can you support? Well, that's it right now. Okay. Right now I see, I, I see five. I see three in Mexico, one in China, and one in Las Vegas. Why so many in Mexico? Would you be like supporting all of Central America with that, or no? We'll we'll, we'll spread them out throughout the country. You know what I mean? Um, and the PIs that I'm opening down in Mexico aren't going to be as big as the one in, in China.
Do you think that's definitely going to happen like soon? Or is that just kind of discussion phase? The PI? The, yeah, the Mexico? Oh, 100%. Wow, incredible. Can't come to Canada and not ask about George St. Pierre. Have you had any conversations with him? Where, where does he stand? No, I don't think George St. Pierre is looking to fight right now. You know, you'll hear him go out and do interviews. I'll fight Connor and stuff like that. But that, that's not a realistic, you know. Um, I think if George sees a fight that he likes, he'll call it out. But he's not looking to to dive back in there anytime soon. I've heard some people say they thought he might fight again if it was Habib. I mean, would you? I mean, would you allow him to do that? I mean, he is obviously such a star, but it's weird when you don't yes, have rankings. And the, the, the reality is this: the guy won the 170-pound championship, never lost it, gave it up. Won the 185-pound championship, gave it up. Um, I'm not going to have him come in and fight at 155 to to give it up and not defend it. Um, no. Yeah. Moving to ESPN soon, obviously a big step for the company. Uh, we just found out last night that the, the debut will be Cejudo and Dillashaw. I just want to ask you about that, the decision to you know, take away a fight that was supposed to be on a pay-per-view, which right. is a big source of revenue for you guys, and put a title fight you know, on the streaming platform with the new service. How did you reach that decision? We did it last time when we launched, too. We put it on Fox. We put the heavyweight championship of the world on Fox. That one didn't work out too well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to go in champion versus champion. You know, uh, Dillashaw, who's a stud, Cejudo, who's a stud, and uh, this first card's going to be good. It's going to be a good card. Did it worry you all moving up Dillashaw's weight cut a week? I mean, I know it's only seven days, but him going down, was that a, was I, that a concern I, for I, you? I don't. I don't worry about a lot of that stuff. These guys are professionals. Dillashaw, Dillashaw has been around for a long time and knows what he's doing. Yeah. Any hints on what we might get in Anaheim? I know that there was talk that maybe uh, Woodley and, and Covington can happen, but now we're hearing... Covington and Usman might happen. I mean, you know, losing a title fight in Anaheim, what, what can fans there expect that, that yeah, week? They can expect a great fight. You know, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, a week ago I didn't have Cejudo versus uh, Dillashaw in, in Brooklyn. So uh, I, I think, you know, at this point in time, fans know, man, we, we, we deliver. We really do. We, we, we always deliver no matter what happens. Even if something falls out the week of, we, we usually deliver and, and, and get it done. I will bring something good to Anaheim. Yeah. Do you have any insight on that 170 situation? I mean, last week in, in Vegas, you were pretty frustrated. You were like, I can't get any of these guys to fight. And uh, Kamaru was on uh, TMZ today saying he got offered a fight with Covington. So is there any insight in, in what is happening at 170? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it, you know. Um, Woodley and I have, have butted heads since the day Woodley became champion. Um, you know, I think everybody knows the type of fighter that I like. I like guys that like to fight. You know, I like guys that like to fight. I like guys that love being world champions, want to defend it against whoever is considered to be the best. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see how this thing plays out. Also in Brooklyn, we have Greg Hardy. It's been a big topic of discussion this week with the, the whole connection to Ray Solovich. I wonder. Has it been a big topic of discussion? I, well, it's been at least a, a topic of discussion. Literally, like. Two guys called and asked me about it. I don't know, I don't know who it was a big topic with, but I was gonna say, did it take you by surprise that it's a topic at all? I mean, did you consider? I mean, did you consider it all when it was booked like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe this doesn't look good? No, of course. When we said we're putting these two on, on the same card, but he's on the roster. He's gonna he's gonna be on the card with lots of different people. You know what I mean? If this guy uh, is good enough and he's able to stick around here in the UFC, he's he's gonna be on the card with lots of different people and. Um, it is what it is. I made the decision to sign this guy and bring him in. And obviously when we did this fight, I, uh, I, I wouldn't have done that without talking to Rachel first. And I did. 
and she was awesome about it. She said, listen, his story isn't my story. Everybody's story is different. And I believe in, in second chances. I have no problem fighting on the card with this guy. And this guy's never done anything to me. So you talked to her actually before the, before the fight was made, not after and when people started well, reacting. First of all, when you say people started reacting, I mean, that, let's put that into context. A couple of our MMA media Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, listen, pe pe people, when you say people, people reacting, it, 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 it wasn't like that at all. People weren't reacting. Um, and, and then yesterday, when we were up at the press conference, I know you and somebody else wanted to talk about it, but it's not fair to the four people that are up there. You want to talk about this? We'll talk about this today because it really wasn't an issue. It was with a couple of people. And, and if you want to turn anything into an issue, you can if you want to turn something into an issue. The, per the only person that matters didn't have an issue with it, and that's all that matters to me. Fair enough. Give us the update on Brock Lesnar. Some people that know more about wrestling than I do are saying maybe he's not going to come back and fight in the UFC because he's got some things going on. Have you? I didn't see that. No, have you, have you had conversations with him? I mean, are we still on track for this DC fight? Or is it we, still? We have not talked, Brock and I, in, in a while. Um, and what happened? What are you saying? I guess he's, oh, I've heard that he's re-upped some deals with the WWE and, and maybe it's, it's more lucrative for him to stay there. And, uh, that they're saying, I guess, it's in danger. Maybe he wouldn't come back and fight in the UFC. Okay. I have no idea. So is that normal that you guys don't talk? Because that's a pretty big yeah, fight, no, right? No, that's normal. That's yeah. totally normal. Yeah, it's totally normal that we don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> we talk every once in a while. Fair enough. What do you think about DC, man? He keeps promising this March date. I feel like he's never been more popular than he is right now. I agree with you 100%. Do you think he sticks to his guns on that? Or do you Listen, I hope, you know me. When, when it's time for somebody to retire, I'm the first one to say, see you later. Have a, have, have a good, you know, the rest of your life. Don't stay here if you can't. Cormier isn't that guy. I think Cormier's got three good fights left in him. I'd love to see him stick around um, longer. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I know his camp is really pulling for him to call it a wrap. Um, yeah. I hope he doesn't. If the Jones trilogy does happen, do you think he, 205 or heavyweight makes more sense? I, you know, Cormier is so stubborn. I think those two should fight at heavyweight. He wants to fight him at 205. Interesting. Last one I ask going on the roster. Uh, any updates on Rose? You know, you had Yuan on stage yesterday saying, listen, clock's ticking as far as I'm concerned. She better get in there and defend. It seems like the fight with Jessica Andrade is the fight that, that should happen. Um, any updates on that? Yeah. No, she's not wrong. Um, yeah, Rose needs to defend here soon, and uh, I think she will. Yeah. So no targeted date yet, but you feel? No. You think that's the fight? Mm -hmm. Cool. Last thing, 2019 coming up soon. It's a big one, right? I mean, you're shifting broadcast partners. You're finishing. I mean, you don't want to rush through December. You're finishing with two huge pay-per-views in December. But give us the outlook for 2019. I mean, what, what do you expect to accomplish as a company? Well, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm obviously very excited about ESPN. And I have to give the props and thanks to Fox for all that they've done for us for the last seven years. They've been incredible partners. And, you know, without Fox, there is no ESPN. So it... Thank you, thank you, Fox, uh, Eric Shanks, and everybody over there for all your hard work and everything you've done to help um, further the sport in the UFC. And then going into 19, I mean, just the, just the stuff that I'm looking at for the launch with these guys is next level, like stuff that's never been done in MMA period, let alone the UFC. Um, 
the, the content that these guys are talking about producing, um, the ideas, the social media stuff they're working on, the digital platform, and, and what they plan on doing. It's, it's all really exciting, and it's on par with what I'm doing and what my plans are for the future for the UFC. So um, I, I could not be more excited, and uh, I can't wait. All right, there you have it. That was my conversation with UFC President Dana White earlier today. Appreciate him taking the time, uh, talking about a variety of subjects there. Uh, and we just go from one titan of the industry to the other. I mean, from Alex Davis to Dana White to Cole Coffee. That's what's up. Listen, interesting situation out in Vegas. Cole Coffee did not make the trip up here to Toronto for UFC 231. But uh, in the middle of the night, basically, uh, there was a press release that, oh, by the way, Floyd Mayweather and Tenshin Nasukawa are doing uh, a, 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 an open workout in Las Vegas later today is, is basically how it went down. So um, Cole Coffee actually uh, fortunately was still in Vegas and was able to go cover this. Uh, I will tell you that in speaking to him, he seems a little frustrated at this moment. <laughs> you know how these boxing things go, and I guess um, this is a boxing thing, even though, of course, it will be uh, at Risen uh, at the end of the year. Uh, it is a boxing exhibition match, as we told you it would be. Um, and, and Cole Coffey was there to get a little bit of audio from Floyd Mayweather to give you a little insight on that. So I'm going to kick it out to Cole Coffey, uh, and I think he may give you a little bit of an intro begrudgingly. <laughs> you know how he gets around these boxing things. But uh, here is Cole Coffee and Floyd Money Mayweather, who just won't leave us alone. <laughs> That's right, John. From one Titan to the other, starting with Alex Davis Strong, who is a good substitute for myself. I will, I will give that up. But then following up with Dana, it only makes sense that the next logical Titan to come on to the show would be myself. No, but keeping it real. Um, yeah. So went to the open workout today. Um, well, actually it was just the open workout for tension. Asakawa, uh, Floyd did not, uh, work out. Floyd just came from the presser and of in course, in Floyd fashion, he was about an hour late. Um, he blamed it on traffic in L.A. You know that traffic that that stops you from getting to your plane. But then once you get on your plane, because it was raining, then your plane gets delayed a little bit. You know, even private jets get delayed. Who knew? Who knew? So he went on the plane and then he, he got to Vegas. But of course, since he was delayed, he had to take care of some business first. And then he showed up for the pressure that was set up at his gym. So it is what it is. Floyd in typical Floyd fashion. But um, I will put up some video of tension um, hitting mitts and, uh, you know, showing some hand speed. And it, and it looked good. You know, um, shadow boxing, you can only take whatever you can from shadow boxing. It's, it's just a guy warming up. But once he was uh, hitting the mitts, he was popping it, you know. And it's funny, watch the video, you'll kind of see uh, Floyd Sr. there in the back kind of checking out the competition, you know. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny just watching him out of the corner of my eye while tension was going and doing his thing. Um, Floyd was Floyd, uh, typical Floyd fashion, you know. Uh, it's interesting, you know, this uh, exhibition 
that is going to happen. Um, it's not a fight. Not a fight in the sense that someone is going to take a loss on their record. It's just fun for him. It's just out sparring and making money. And at the end of this press conference, he pretty much was bragging about how he was setting another record again, getting paid the most money for an exhibition. Just setting records. That's Floyd Mayweather for you. Um, I even asked him, you know, because he was pretty much just talking about how he wants to go out. He's just having fun. You know, he's retired, folks. Stop asking him to fight this guy or fight that guy. That's not what he's about. He just wants to make these, you know, seven-figure paychecks to go out and have sparring sessions. Man, couldn't we all be so lucky? Um, but I asked him, I was like, you know, so, you know, do you give away one of the rounds? And then, you know, you take a couple. Do you have to win all the rounds? What's it matter? And he's like, he can win all of them. Just having fun. You know, if he wants to take all of them, go for it. That's interesting to me. You know, uh, I know he he's a competitor, but maybe that's the case. You know, he's just like. I don't care. I'm getting paid mad amount of money. I'm just going to go out and have fun. And y'all can think whatever you want about it. He's living. He's loving it. He's laughing about it, man. He's taking it straight to the bank, you know. So it's pretty interesting. Um, it was a decent turnout um, today. Again, I found out about it uh, this morning at about 730 in the morning when John and them were like, hey, can you go to Mayweather Gym and film something tonight? And Luckily, being here in, in Vegas, I didn't really have anything scheduled for today. I was just going to be working from the house and had some odd errands, but, you know, easy enough to, to switch around to take it. But, you know, anytime you can get in front of Floyd and sort of pick his brain and see what's going on in the, the Floyd Mayweather verse uh, is always a good time. He's an interesting character, man. Say what you will about Floyd, man. The dude has done so well for himself and just continues to, you know, break records and uh just do incredible things man so well done for him um and uh, good for tension who seems to be taking this fight pretty serious in his mind you know he wants to put on a good show and go out there and i think in that aspect especially if floyd's like you know whatever if he wants to win the rounds go for it you know i don't care you know like this dude's gonna seem like the japanese hero if he goes out there and you know puts on a, th uh, a, a nice display of activity for three rounds going and throwing jabs and pushing the pace and if Floyd's kind of just bobbing and weaving for three rounds you know whether or not he eats some punches or not you know I think uh <laughs> the Japanese people are going to be like dude this was a win for us our man won and uh they're going to love it man this this kid's going to blow up man and he's he's no slouch man dude he's a kickboxing champion um He's got some good hands, man. I, to be honest, didn't know much about this dude until this fight uh, popped out, you know, and I watched some highlights, man. The guy's got some hands, man. Uh, he showed some good foot movement today. Uh, I'm sure boxing guys would say that maybe it's not great, but it's good for a kickboxer or good for an MMA guy. Um, look good to me, man. But again, you know, shadow boxing, you can only take so much from it. You know, most of it's just a warm up. You know, you can't really base uh, a big judgment on what you're going to see in a fight when you're just watching a guy shadow boxing but pretty interesting stuff so um okay but enough of me rambling i i kind of boiled down what was in a sense about a 40 minute um press conference and smashed it into about seven minute highlights of uh some of the stuff that uh uh floyd said you know floyd he he still believes he is the face of combat sports you know you know, so take that, Connor. Take that, Khabib. You know, you guys are old news. Well, at least for Connor. He said he's been there, done that. You know, and as for Khabib, hey, you know, 
that money can get signed. You know, he he's always up for something. You know, but I think right now he's just having fun, man, doing sparring matches for seven figure pay paychecks. Man, good on him. But uh, enough of me, man. Let's let you listen to a little bit of Floyd Mayweather, and then uh, we'll toss it back to John. You know, from the beginning when they first came to me, honestly, they came to me. They was like, Floyd, uh, would you like to put on an exhibition? And um, I said, um, what you mean, an exhibition for free? <laughs> they said, no, for, you know, seven figures. I said, um, no problem. They said, it's just nine minutes. So when they said uh, nine minutes, I said, um, no problem. I thought it was just for, you know, not even these many people, just a few people, a few wealthy people. But then um, once I went over there, then they, they had a big old press conference. I was like, oh, okay. They call it a special bout. I'm like, this is not a special bout. We're not calling this about that. It's about it's 12 rounds, and you know what my number is. And so we talk, we iron things out, and we got to what we got to. You know, I'm getting what I want to get, and it's three rounds. It's kind of like an amateur fight, but it's not an amateur fight because even amateur fights go on your record. This is not going on my record. Right. So you're excited about It just, I'm just, I'm just. I'm retired. I'm enjoy. I'm traveling the world, enjoying myself. Actually, I don't know how. Many, I think I have some more. Um, exhibitions that they already got set up for me, you know, in different places. And I think a lot of guys that's in the sport of boxing, I think a lot of the guys right now in the sport of boxing, I don't know how, how much exactly the heavyweights made the other night. What's the number exactly? Uh, what was the number? Four million. Four million. Okay. Oh, so, I mean, like I said before, for I'm making more than that. I'm retired. So, at the end of the day, it's obvious I'm doing something right. Well, are you worried about how this affects your legacy? What? How sparring affects my legacy? Sparring don't affect my legacy at all. For every fight I had, I, I, I had sparring partners. So, sparring doesn't affect my legacy. I actually have a chance to look at him on YouTube. Um, fast guy, fast hands, and, and a lot of power. Entertaining, entertaining fighter. Do you yes. have any ideas as to like, who you may fight? No, 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 I'm retired, so I'm, a, I'm older. I'm in my 40s, so like I said before, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to do exhibitions, but I'm going to pick and choose. Well, I want to pick and choose to do an exhibition for I'm the A side, and that's simple and blind. And so a lot of times, a lot of people have some, you know, a lot of people, a lot of critics got something to say. I mean, like I said before, the guys the other night, I think they fought, they fought a hell of a fight. And I think they said one guy made four million, one guy made three million. Make more than that, so it's not bad. What do you think about Connor and Habib still bringing you up? Uh, Connor and uh, you said uh, Khabib yeah. and Connor still bring me up. Yeah. Like I said before, I'm the face of just combat sports. Period. Whether it's boxing or MMA, I'm the face of it all. I mean, I'm not like um, uh, I think. Uh, I think they sent a letter out and said I couldn't speak to the guy, right? speak on that situation so you know I'm not worried about those guys I mean Conor McGregor he already know what happened with that you know um, he, ran, he ran his mouth I took care of that <laughs> you know Khabib running his mouth he wanted to get in there I take care of him too is that fight with Khabib something you're interested in um I'm not I mean if it happened it happened if it don't I'm still gonna have a great life why not allow him to kickbox sweetheart Please, please, please. Am I a kickboxer or am I a boxer? You in the boxing gym or a kickboxing gym? Did I see you get into a UFC cage one 
Instagram. You see a lot of you see a lot of bullshit on Instagram. <laughs> Just because I got this. But you see me get in the cage, but did you see me fight anybody in the cage? No, but I see you fighting right now. But you have seen me fight yes. in the ring. Okay, you never seen me kickbox in the ring. You never seen me. I never talk about fighting in the ring. Talking. Actually speak louder than words at the end of the day. I just said this and I'm gonna say this once again. Everything is always on my terms. I'm the A-side, always. I'm not going to fight in the MMA ring. If I do fight in the MMA ring, if I do fight in the MMA, MMA ring, boxing only. Everything is my rules, it's my way. I worked hard to put myself in a position that I call all the shots, simple and plain. He may be a kickboxer, but he got to abide by my rules. Simple and plain. And if he raises, and if he raises feet, if he raises feet, he's in the contract, then I get some more money. Simple and plain. It's so crazy that every time you guys, you know, I do interviews, I talk with you guys, I tell you guys how things are, I give it to you, ABC, ABC one two three. This is how it is, and y'all steady keep going to ask. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a fucking degenerate. I'm not finna go into nobody else's cage and do what they do. If that's the case, I would start. I would. I would start that. I would. I would do that from the beginning. I do what everybody know. I'm a boxer. Floyd Mayweather is a boxer. And if anybody want to compete against me or fight against me, it's in a boxing ring. Simple and plain. Floyd, do you, do you need to take all three rounds, or can you have a little fun? Maybe give them a round, take the last two. I mean, I can have all three rounds. I don't. He can have all three rounds for all I care. I don't really worry about that. He can win all three rounds. I don't care about that. That's what you want to do. What do you think about Amir Khan saying this is damaging for boxing? Who? Amir Khan. Say what? This is damaging for boxing. I mean, everybody got something to say about Floyd Mayweather. You know what? A lot of people. I want to speak on Floyd Mayweather. I do what Floyd Mayweather did, accomplish what Floyd Mayweather accomplished, do record-breaking things like Floyd Mayweather, and then you have, then you can, you can say what you want to say. At the end of the day, nobody has done, the, nobody has done what I've done in the sport of boxing. I mean, these guys still going out there. They fighting. They getting two and three million, and they getting two and three million, and. I don't know, what, four million, three million? For fights, for 12 rounds. We talking about sparring. I'm getting this for sparring. I make, I make more than that just for sparring. That's what I'm getting. And so at the end of the day, a lot of times, what we need to do is reevaluate, sit back, and learn from Floyd Mayweather instead of trying to knock Floyd Mayweather. Amir Khan, he faced Canelo, right? When he faced Canelo, we seen him comatose. You know, and I was an old man when I faced Canelo, and we all know that was easy work. I mean, some of the easiest work I ever had. <laughs> you got to know, there's a difference between a seven-figure fighter and a nine-figure fighter. Totally different. You know, it's to, I mean, some of us is just blessed. And I'm one, of the, I'm one of the fortunate ones that's, that's blessed to be where I'm at. They can't, you can't get mad. You can't get mad that these guys are fighting in these tough fights, getting two or three million dollars, four million dollars, and I'm not, and I'm not knocking anybody. That I'm able to put, I put myself in a position that I can travel the world, shake hands, 
shake hands and make millions of dollars and also uh, do small, small sparring, I mean, a little bit of sparring for nine minutes and make crazy money. You can't know you can. Like I said, for, I'm just smart. So that was cold coffee out there in Vegas and Floyd Mayweather, who is never, ever, ever going to leave us alone in the sport. We're stuck with him. Now we welcome in the young Mike Bond. We're here in his backyard, like literally in his backyard. I think we're just a couple minutes from your, your house here in Toronto. Uh, it's cold. I'm not appreciating this. I probably should have packed more than shorts, so I'll, I'll take some ownership on that. But, uh, yeah, man, how's this, uh, how's this fight week rolling for you so far, being a, a home game? It's good. Uh, I'm enjoying this a lot. It, it could be worse in terms of the weather. I mean, I think last time UFC was here, which was pretty much almost two years ago to the day uh, for UFC 206, it was definitely a lot colder. There was snow on the ground. Mm. Um, I always find it interesting, you know, when they host these events in the wintertime. Like, I remember when the NBA did the All-Star game here a couple of years ago, and it was yeah. in the beginning of February, and it got to, like, minus 30, which I guess for you guys, what, that's like zero yeah. or something like that. And it was crazy cold, and, like, the reporters asking Adam Silver, like, can you not do this thing in, like, a cold city in the winter? And, like, they're all complaining to him. Uh, so this isn't that bad. I mean, I think you can still get around. Yeah, it's not bad. It's snowed a little bit stuff. today, but it's Yeah, it's but not nothing's bad. sticking and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, it's unreal, man. I mean, the host hotel here, it's a 10-minute walk from my apartment. The arena's five minutes away. I'm there, you know, all almost every night covering the Raptors game, so it's very cool to have UFC here. I was pretty – by the way, I we are at the host hotel. We're in my room here, which is massive. Like, I, it's like a suite. It's huge, and I figured for sure it was a mistake. Uh, but Alex Davis, when he was here earlier, I asked him, he's like, oh, you know, my room's exactly the same. I was like, oh, I guess this place just has massive hotel rooms. Yeah, it's, an, it's a nice hotel. I mean, this is very central. When my dad comes here for business, he stays here a lot. So all, all the rooms seem pretty nice. Yeah, man, not, not hating at all. All right, well, listen, we've been talking about Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. And it, look, it, it, we know these guys at this point. The big question, and, you know, we'll probably know it by the time a lot of people listen to this. But I want to go ahead and speculate now. Um you know, I wasn't at the open workout day. That's when I had the opportunity to go talk to Dana White. So you went to the open workout. I've seen the video. I've seen the clips. To me, Max Holloway, which is, of course is the big question, looks okay. But you were there. You saw him up close and personal. Um, give, give, give me your thoughts when you saw him and what was what was the mood like, I guess, just as everybody was probably anticipating, wondering what the hell they were going to see. Yeah. he Once he got up there, as that open workout went on and on, all my concerns about him and everything just started to wash away more and more and more. Like, he just looked himself. It's just such a far cry. UFC 226, he went up there. I just remember seeing him start that open workout, and he was just, he could barely even muster the energy right. to get his arms up to hit the pads. And I was like, right away, I was like, okay, something is seriously wrong with this guy. And I kind of called him out on the scrum, and that was one of the beginnings of the whole chain reaction of you know him going on UFC tonight with Bisbing and then ultimately being pulled and today he goes out there he's high energy he's throwing you know spinning kicks and flying knees and stuff dancing with you know mini blessed who right. stole the show again uh it was very high energy and you know obviously this cut isn't easy for him like he looks a bit sucked out and stuff but he said he's very close to making weight I thought he sounded rather sharp during the scrum he looked great on you know the pads and everything he was doing so you know, of course, this final stretch, the probably final pounds he has to cut between, you know, tonight, Thursday night, and Friday morning, that's where things could 
go very bad and typically has but right now like I'm feeling very good about where Max Holloway is I agree I will say the press conference did not necessarily fully alleviate my concerns Uh, just his speech pattern and I I think it's one of those things where you're predisposed to look for something so you start like maybe looking at it closer than you would but his speech pattern kind of bothered me a little bit but yeah seeing the clips even though I wasn't there in person I mean it was pretty obvious it wasn't something like it was so subtle you could only pick it up if you were there in person you know so um, so I think that's good, and, and I think that means that uh, we're probably in for one hell of a fight in the main event. So I, I think that's fun. Uh, the co-main, I want to ask you about this one because I am a huge Joanna and Jacek fan. I love her. Now, I do agree that she's gone overboard a little bit sometimes. Her 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 uh, you know confidence or aggression has been a little much, and I understand, so I understand why people soured on her. I get it, but I think she's great. I think she's a, a fun fighter to watch. I think she's an awesome personality, uh, and... I do believe that probably 125 is going to be better for her. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of her cuts where she didn't look good. Um, that said, every time I think about this fight, I just go back to the fact that Shevchenko has banged out with Amanda Nunes, who's going up to Cy- you know, to face Cyborg, and everybody's saying, if anybody can beat Cyborg, it's Amanda Nunes. And it's like, are, I, I don't know. That it's It scares me a little bit. So, I mean, when she you beat look Holly at this... Holm, man, who's, you know, you could argue she is probably natural... 45 or like she is enormous for 135 so right. that's probably like her you know most suitable weight class uh talking about weight cuts are these stuff. athletes the her. same size i mean is this is this i don't i don't know i mean it seems like i don't want to say it's impossible because it's not impossible obviously anything's possible in a fight um but i, I just i'm having a hard time making the case for Ioana, which is hard for me to say because again i like not that i don't like Shevchenko. how do you not like Shevchenko? she's yeah. amazing too but i just I'm having a hard time seeing the fight play out in my head. Normally, I feel like I can see things happening, you know? Not that you – but you're like, okay, okay, I see how this could go. Mm-hmm. I'm just having a hard time seeing Joanna outworking and outstriking Shevchenko. Yeah, I think what she needs to do is she needs to win the early rounds. She needs to outpace her with volume because that's what – if there's one thing you can kind of uh, criticize – uh, Valentina Shevchenko about is that she probably gives away rounds at times, and that's not because she's you know tired or anything like that. Or is, that's probably part of the plan. It's just she gets into that kind of defensive shell, so focus focus in on counter striking that you know she just kind of right. gives away the edge. So you know, next thing you know, like if you want to slightly edges the first three rounds, it's like okay, there's that could possibly be your fight. Now just so, get on your bike for the last 10 minutes and stay out of trouble. Yeah, so Valentina needs to be very careful, you know, that 15 minutes doesn't pass her by and she's suddenly not done, you know, a whole lot. And you know Joanna, she's going to come out there and she's going to be very aggressive. She's going to throw with a lot of volume. And I think Valentina, it's important for her to get that respect early and kind of put something in the back of her head like, oh, I can't, you know, be rushing in or you know going for big aggressive strikes when I might get countered and hurt or something like that. So I think the early you know first couple of rounds we're probably going to know very clearly which way this fight's going to go. Talked pretty in depth with Alex Davis about Alex Oliveira and Tiago Mejeta Santos. So let me just ask you about their opponents: Gunnar Nelson, Jimmy Manoa. Um, anything from those two guys? We spoke to both of them this morning. Um, anything from either one of those that, that stood out to you or that that uh, that you know you found intriguing or interesting? Yeah, I mean, both, obviously, really important p- fights for both guys. Uh, Jimmy Manoa, of course, you know, at one time, he looked like he was going to be one of the more dangerous dudes in this division. Uh, next thing you know, he's 38 and on, what, a three-fight losing streak yeah. or something like that. You know, granted, it's all being to very, very good guys. But, uh, yeah, still, you wonder for him if his opportunity to be that real guy has passed him by and what's going to happen in this fight if that kind of continues or if he's able to extend that a little longer. In terms of Gar Nelson, I think 
he still possibly has those best days ahead of him. Uh, you know, everyone was so high on him. His first couple of UFC fights, he looked so good and then ran into some trouble and then injury problems and stuff. So for him, this is a tough fight against Alex Oliveira. Yes, man. Like is. he is so underrated. Like you look at him, uh, I was writing up his scrum story and you know, he's only lost one of his past eight. And that was the fight, one of the fights of the year against Yancey Medeiros, a yeah. fight he could have easily won. Yeah. You know, both guys only fight in UFC history where both guys would be knocked down twice. So, yeah, he's a killer. He's, I think, finished all his wins in that stretch, too, except for maybe one. So, yeah, that's a tough fight for Garner to come back to and a real tough fight to predict. So it's that, it's this whole card, man. Like, some really good matchups, some interesting ones that could go either way. I love this card, man. Yeah, I, you know, so I think it's probably easier to point to 232 and say, oh, you know, look at what you got at the top. But I really do feel like, you know, and I think a lot of people would say it's, it's a fight fans card. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's the type of card, like, there's, there's some meaningful fights. And there's some intriguing fights, and I, I think it's going to be fun. This is, it's kind of weird. Like, it seems like these are the type of cards they're, they built for Max Holloway right. around. Like, you know, uh, in Detroit, we had Overeem and Nganu on there. We had Gaethje and Alvarez. Like, in Rio, we had some good fights uh, yep. between action guys. And that's why I did feel really bad for him for the 226 thing, because he had that opportunity under the DC Stipe fight right. to, like, really get that spotlight, International Fight Week and stuff. Like, he hasn't really got that opportunity. He's been headlining these cards, you know, uh, against Jose Aldo in Brazil. That's maybe not the most you know, stacked in terms of big names. So, uh, I think this one, though, will be a very good test of the drawing power of Max Holloway, where he stands. Uh, you got an awesome co-main event, a loaded card underneath, and it's a seems like a very Max Holloway type of card that they've. I'm interested to see as well. You know, Dana said that it's sold out, um, which that's you know it's always been a strong market, and that's yep. good. But I am interested to see the pay-per-view buys. It's one of those ones that I feel like it might underperform versus the quality of what people that know what they're watching. Yeah. Are, are into because it's it's the casuals that make the big swings, right? I mean, you got your core audience, and then it's those casuals that make those big swings. And obviously, this isn't going to be some million seller or whatever. Yeah. But I, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm scared. Not scared. I mean, what the hell? It doesn't affect me at all. But I just like to see guys uh, that I think deserve respect and attention get respect and attention. And I'm a little worried that that Max and Brian aren't quite there to the mainstream yet. But I do feel like, and again, if Max is at 100. percent it may be one of those ones that, you know, it, it gets people to really wake up on them. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because you have, you know, like we just talked about Holloway, you know, getting that spot on 226, that big opportunity to fly or flourish. How many opportunities has Yoanny and Jacek had like that? She's been on Conor McGregor cards, Ronda Rousey cards and everything, and, like, she's not a huge draw, you know. No, she's not getting 500,000 pay-per-view right. buys or something. Like, her interviews aren't doing hundreds of thousands of views. So right. it's, like, it's all part of that thing. Like, how do you really get these people to click putting them in certain spots? Just because you put them on a, a big card that has Conor McGregor in the main event doesn't mean the cast below is going to – you would hope they get that rub, but it doesn't always work it's that tough, way. man. I know. It is funny. I mean, you know, we we all sit back and criticize. Ah, the UFC needs to do better. Like, there's no surefire guarantee. Some no. people resonate and some people don't. Not to say, and I'm not absolving them of all responsibility and say they've done 100%, but, you know, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, they can do better. It's like, dude, we fucking tried. It just didn't work out, you know? So yep. uh, last main card fight, and at least not in terms of battle order, but the one that we haven't talked about, Kyle Botniak versus Hakeem Duwadu. It's funny because the battle order kept changing. all, and, and, and I think that's, I mean, they weren't invited to any of the media stuff, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's basically just because there was a time when they were on the prelims and then this got shuffled around. I did see some people with their with their eyebrows raised. Why is this on the main card? I'll be honest with you. I'm okay with it. I started to ask for these guys once I realized they weren't on. 
the interviews. I started to ask for them, but we just had so many people to talk to already, and yeah. um, you know, there's so much going on. So I, I didn't, but I, I'm actually, and well, that and Hakeem Duato scares me when I try to talk to him. <laughs> yes, so he, yes. He, he looks like he's he's mad even when he's not. But um, I I, th- I think this could be a fun fight. I had no problem with this being on the main card. I think this is one of those ones that's you know where you give action fighters an opportunity just to say, hey, you're on the big stage, and maybe you haven't you know, quote-unquote, earned it yet, but go out there and put on a show. Yeah, definitely. And you need to f- put at least one Canadian on that main card, and that's, you know, Hakeem Duwadu. Uh The only thing, person that you could maybe make an argument for over him would be Elias Theodoro because he is, you know, the, the local guy on this right. card, uh, besides what Cal Nelson, the guy right. who's fighting Diego Ferreira. But obviously he no, came in No in one knows who he is, yeah. yeah, anything like that. So Elias Theodoro, you know, like he is kind of the Toronto rep. So I figured maybe he would have got a better spot. But, uh, you know, that kicking off the FS1 prelims, he maybe will get that big pop and everything. So that should be good. But, yeah, I, I don't mind this fight being on there. I mean, I think Kyle Bokniak versus uh, Zabit was our yeah. fight of the month for April or something fight. like that. So, like, yeah, Kyle Bokniak, he brings it. That's an action fight. It doesn't mean anything for the rankings, right. anything like that. But, like, these are two guys that are going to bring it. And, you know, it's – I don't want to call it like the bathroom break fight because it's not, but it's like the one that you don't know the names as well. So it's like, okay, like if you need to do something, like, okay, maybe you step away during that one, but it's still a very good fight. And Hakeem is, he's a legit prospect. I know he had the horrible, disastrous UFC debut, but right. bounced back strong in Calgary. And now he has another opportunity to kind of get on a run here. So. How, how the hell is Hakeem Duwato's personal hype man, Danny Austin, not here this week, by the way? Yeah, right? That's, <laughs> that is surprising. I think he was, I think he's on Grey Cup hangover I know, duty. I think he said he's bit. covering CFL, but I had to, uh, you got to, he, he, he's always high on Duwato. He's, that's, he that's is. his boy. I'm sure he'll be watching closely. He definitely will. Uh, all right, let's talk about the FS1 prelims. You know, you mentioned Elias Theodore versus Eric Anders. I find that to be intriguing. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian versus Jessica I. That's a meaningful fight that I find incredibly intriguing as well. OAM uh, has become uh, this revolutionary <laughs> just like character that people are loving against a very tough Gilbert Burns. Nina Ansaroff, who suddenly looks resurgent, and uh, and by the way, in the in the in the last embedded piece, man, she was just hitting mitts and and looked solid. I mean, just sharp uh, against Claudia Gadella, who's uh, you know a, a fantastic fighter, and of course uh, she's been living and training out in Las Vegas, so mm-hmm. uh, she's got some of the extreme couture crew with her. Uh, I, I find all those intriguing. You talk about those four fights. I mean, is there one that stands out above the others? Is there something that interests you here? Because I, that's to me, that's a meaningful four pack of fights right it, there. It's really good. Uh, I don't. There's not much you can pick at that. I mean, we talk about maybe something that could be on the main card, like that Caitlin Chukagian fight versus Jessica. I could very well be the number one contender fight. I mean, it's right up there. Uh, they both. You know, Caitlin Chukagian is supposedly the alternate if something happens to Joanna or Valentina. Uh, just guys, obviously, you know, kind of rebuilt herself since moving right. down to 125. So, yeah, that's a very important fight. And it's kind of unfortunate that it's, uh, I want to say, like, buried on the prelims or anything. But I can feel pretty firmly that this set of prelims isn't getting the uh, promotion from Fox that it would if it was in year two of the deal as opposed yeah. to being the second last set it's, of pay-per-view prelims that I'll ever air on that channel. So It's interesting because, there, I mean, obviously, you're, you know, I remember talking to some of the guys over at Fox, like, how do you make sure that, like, the UFC doesn't screw you, but you don't screw the UFC? And they were like, listen, it is a small world, and five years from now, those rights will be right back up for grabs, and you don't want to burn any bridges. So, you know, I think everybody's trying to play nice yeah, to a Dan, degree. Dan said some really nice things about the Fox people in really the interview did. with him. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. So, I mean, everybody's playing nice with each other, but it's like anything else, man. It's like 
if you're leaving a job or hell, even if you got vacation planned, you know, like those last couple days, you're <laughs> yeah. like, I'm here, but you know, I'm don't, don't push me too hard. Yeah, exactly. So it is what it is on that front, but regardless, you know, Lots to be interested about on those prelims. I do love the Nina Ansaroff story. Like, you started 0 and 2 in the UFC, and I remember her doing the interviews. Like, I think she had an injury after her 0 and 2 stint, and I think she talked a little bit about today that she was possibly going to retire because right. she wants to uh, have children. Yep. Uh, her and Amanda want to have a baby, so she's like, okay, like, gonna take one more fight and then see where this goes. And she's won and won and won, and she's getting the steps up, steps up. But it seems like just being around Ana- Amanda with their relationship, like, something has changed in her. Her, her confidence, mm-hmm. uh, just everything has picked up a level, and she's done more and more and more with every fight, but uh, there's a big difference between, no disrespect to Randa Marcos, but between Randa Marcos and Claudia Gadelia. Like, this is the one that's gonna yep. tell, like, is Nina legit? And she's being like, I'm gonna be a champion alongside Amanda and stuff. I just think it's a really cool story uh, with those two and her resurgence, so this will be the very telling one, though. Like, if she wins this fight, she, she's right there for a title shot, which is crazy to think about. It really is. And then we've got Four fights on Fight Pass as well. This uh, fight, this card was 14 fight card at one point when we crazy. had Bechtick against Moicano. Oh, thank <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> I like fights, but it gets long, man. When you start talking about six and a half, seven hours, and then, you know, the thing is, and it's not even that, it's like, it's six and a half, seven hours, and you, you got to get there early because you got to get set up, and then afterwards, then the real work begins because then you got to do all your post-fight stuff. So it's like, I, I hate to complain because, I mean, it, what we do for a living is not the worst thing to do for a living and watching no. fights, but it's just, it makes for a long night. Like, I, man, eight to ten fights, you know, the the, the, the fight pass pacing, I, I love that, man. I love that. So I'm, I'm happy we're, 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 we're only at Yes, 13. only at 13. Hopefully it. You know, stays that way. I don't want to see anything happen last minute. Yeah, fighters, no doubt so. about that. Uh, Bracketona versus Matthew Lopez. Uh, we talked to, to Alex about Diego Lima versus Chad LaPriest. Diego Fajera uh, taking on newcomer Kyle Nelson. Uh, Fajera, it's funny, you know, uh, Christian, uh, Christian Sign, Copper Hart, uh, the uh, contributor. It's funny, he had done an interview with Diego where, it, you know, he had another opponent. He's like, well, I got an opponent like a week out. Like, I, I can't even really game plan for him. I mean, right. there's no time, you know. Yeah. And then he gets another one on, on three days, which is crazy. Uh, that must make that adjustment a lot easier, though, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you've already kind of thrown that whole, you know, tape study stuff out the window. Just go in there and fight. So it doesn't matter if it's this guy or that guy. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a tough spot to be in, but uh, when you're at that level, you kind of need to be prepared to fight anyone. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. I, I, I don't think we've run it on the site yet, but I did a quick interview with him. I think it's on YouTube. But, you know, one of the things he told me, and we talked a little bit more of it off camera, is that um, – he wants to like he kind of really needs this money because he wants to go get his son from Brazil. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a seven-year-old son, and and he wants to come back to the United States. I guess he had lived there for a while, then went to go live with his mom in Brazil. And wants to come back, and so he's like, "Dude, I have to like I made this promise to my kid that I'm gonna go get him, and like I need this Damn, money to go get that's him." That's a lot so of pressure. Like, yeah, like I'll take anybody. So uh, anyway, and I, I, but I love a guy you know that'll that'll say, "Hey, whoever you got, just bring him to me. Let's do it." Uh, Devin Clark versus Alexander Rakic, who uh, who uh, who looked fantastic uh, recently. So. Um, yeah. I don't know, which, any of these you're most intrigued? Uh, I mean, the fight past real is nothing that jumps out too hard. I mean, Brad Katona, uh, the first Canadian tough winner of right. a domestic series, so like, there's something that kind of goes to that. Uh, you know, Being in Canada, you always want to see what's going to happen with these people. Like, dude, I think, and not to pile on SPG Ireland, but I think Brad Katona, his last UFC debut win was the last time an SPG fighter won in the UFC. Wow. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, it's ago. funny They've because he's the Canadian guy, but you kind of think of him as the, as the Irish guy since he's yeah. you know, an SPG product. So, yeah, I mean, like, 
I know you asked Dana today as well when you were talking about George St. Pierre, like, and about the Canadian scene. And uh, I think maybe what he doesn't understand is like, we don't have the infrastructure we had a few years ago. It's not about the sport is getting less popular here. It's dying. Like, it's just, it's tough. There's not nearly as many regional promotions. Like, thank God TKO came back, but they're doing shows on and off on Fight Pass and stuff. And like, for some of these guys, it's really, really hard for them to get fights in Canada. And then you want it to go to the States or something, but the promoters don't want to pay for visa. They don't want to pay for the flights over. So it's really difficult for some of these people to get fights right. for the young Canadian talent to build themselves up. And I feel like, you know, you could probably go back to a podcast and we did a show here, maybe you know, two, three years ago. And I probably said the exact same thing and nothing has changed over these past few years. Well, there years, was a show, so. I mean, to, to your point, there was a show. Um, it was the one that Cody McKenzie tested positive for, yeah. or, or didn't test at all. I should say not <laughs> tested positive. Um, but that was actually put on, as a co-promotion between a Canadian promoter and Tough Enough in Las Vegas. Mm. And my understanding was basically this Canadian promotion, and I can't remember the name of it right now. It was a smaller one. It's not one that's done like Fight Pass or anything. Yeah. Basically, they had a couple prospects. They wanted to get them some experience, but they were struggling to, to bring whole cards together in Canada. So they were like, let's go down to the state. Let's bring our guys down to the states rather than trying to bring you know these people up and, and let's do a show down there. So yeah. you know, I guess I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it'd be great if stuff like that continued. But yeah, it, it's hard for these young Canadian guys. And it's like, you know, where's the next GSP going to come from or like anything like that if that can even remotely exist. Uh, yeah, we. So it's good to have someone like Brackett, an undefeated guy who's you know, coming up. Maybe he could be something. We'll we'll see. Drop him back down to 135, where he's kind of a natural guy. So we'll see what happens there. No doubt. All right. Well, listen. I think it's gonna be a fun card. I really do. And uh, we'll find out in the morning. By the time a lot of people are listening to this, we might know the answer already. But um, it does look from everybody we talked to that Max is gonna be okay, and that's important because uh, yeah, it would it would. Uh, no disrespect to Hinato Mukano, he would come in and it would be a fantastic fight. But I think we're looking for a potential, you know, all-time classic, you know. And maybe, like they said, the start of a rivalry, you know, that, that maybe continues on into other weight classes and maybe yeah. continues years to come. But uh, it is funny. I was talking to somebody at the UFC the other day, and, and uh, internally they were like, yeah, we're calling it, uh, you know, Holloway versus Ortega 1. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude, it very well could be. And what do you think? I mean, from the vibe you got with Dana today, do you think this is Max Holloway's last fight at 145? Man, you know, Dana was pretty clear about it. He's like, dude, I just don't think he can handle it. And but I don't know if he what if he goes out there and shines, you know, and he passes every test. But I don't know. I I get. I guess I'll answer that when I see him on the scale in the morning. You know, if it yeah. looks like he's dying, it looks like they just do. do I mean, he, we always knew. I mean, he look. He is a skinny kid you know what i mean yeah, like his really frame is still small stuff, yeah. you look look at his son you can see his son's like i mean they, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're like a, they're, they're, they've got small builds but yeah. as he gets older i'm sure you know lightweight would probably suit him better and i mean it does you know it does seem like a lot of people that are moving up or are having success not putting their body through stuff so. it's just so hard because you don't have anyone really moving up that's like in the situation that he's in like it's okay right. to be like you know middling contender you lose a port fight and you move up and then kind of rebuild yourself he's the champion you're asking him to give up his belt to move up so unless you know if the habib thing came to fruition well, and then he won that fight or something like okay peace out to 145 belt but if you're gonna be like oh, okay uh we want you to come up to 155 and fight you know nate diaz or like dustin poirier you know, yeah those are big fights but like just some guy like, but i was gonna say let's be honest if if they said hey we want you to move up to 155 and hey don't worry we'll pay you the same then yeah. you go, oh, okay. Yeah, but, you know, we know that the way those contracts are set up, if you, if you lose your belt, there's a big change in your financial yeah. income. I mean, even just the, uh, you know, Reebok, athlete outfitting, right. policy, pay, whatever. Like, you go from 
you know, 40,000 to 15,000 right. for him per fight. And it's like that alone, you know, I'm sure in the grand scheme of sure, you know, where you could be making millions, that's still a nice chunk of change, you know, yep. uh, that doesn't hurt. So yeah, you, you'd need to reward him in some way. Like, I just don't see how he would be willing to be like, okay, I'm going to go and just be another guy at lightweight, right. especially with how deep it is. You need some serious assurances of where you're going to be in that, you that know, a, if it's one fight in a title shot or fighting for the belt right away. It's a long some, ladder to crawl if you're, if you're way down it. Yes, especially you know with just everything that's going on. We yep. don't know what's going to happen with Habib, Connor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's a tough sell for him when he has that piece of gold around his waist already. No doubt. All right, well, we're hoping for a classic. In the meantime, I'm hoping for uh, a couple more frosty beverages. So let's wrap this up since we got the early weigh-ins. Ah, I hate the early weigh-ins. I still do. <laughs> I like it better when we can sleep in. It's good for the fighters, not good for us. For everybody else, thanks for listening. <laughs>